Welcome to Elemental Talks, a podcast that airs innovative voices from the world of marketing, design, and development. Listen to experts exploring best practices and learn how to build better websites. Gavin Bell is a UK-leading Facebook advertisement consultant, vlogger, and founder of Funnel Academy, helping businesses and entrepreneurs grow their businesses and generate revenue using proven Facebook ad strategies. He is also a keynote speaker traveling across the world speaking about Facebook ads, funnels, online marketing, entrepreneurship, and marketing in general. In this podcast, Gavin talks about the pros and cons of Facebook ads for small businesses, describes the stages of campaign setup, and explains why he recently moved to WordPress. Welcome to another episode of Elementary Talks, and with me as always is Matan. Hi, Hello, ben. Matan. How is everything? It's great. You know, one of the biggest challenges is actually for someone who is a freelancer or just starting out is actually managing and starting their own campaign on Facebook and Google. And for this, we have an, an ad consultant, Facebook ad consultant, video blogger, Mr. Gavin Bell. Hi, Gavin. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a ble- pleasure to have you here. Uh, and you're behind Mr. Gavin Bell website and Funnel Academy. And let's start with how did you get to this uh, area and uh, this expertise? Yeah, good question. So for me, in a previous life, a few years ago, I run a business where I was working with personal trainers and putting them into corporate environments to run corporate well-being sessions. So the, the aim of that business was to uh, promote healthy living within the corporate environment. And, and with that business, um, I had a lot of connections with personal trainers, just with the nature. And I, and I, the connection that I had with them was they were looking for more business, more clients. Uh, and obviously the corporates were looking for personal trainers to come in to run these fitness sessions. But one of the things that I found that more exciting than that actual business was the marketing around the personal trainers. I realized that the personal trainers were typically really bad at marketing themselves. They would be trying to go after maybe 50 year olds that were looking to lose a little bit of weight, but their Instagram was all six packs and broccoli. And so it's like the message just doesn't really resonate there and um, kind of lingered over this and, and realized, well, there's probably more fun to be had in helping the personal trainers with their marketing as opposed to helping them try and go into corporates. And um, so I decided to move into like general social media marketing and um, over over the space of maybe a couple of years realized that there was nobody really in the UK that owned the, like the, the Facebook ads person as a kind of personal brand in the UK. And so I decided I wanted to, wanted to be that person slowly, but surely learned how to run ads, started getting clients to let me to uh, use their budget. And um, slowly, but surely we've, we've gotten ourselves to that point where probably our class is the person to go to now. So you, you already chose a niche. Um, quite early in your career, and we heard from um, you know back in past uh, interviews, many people actually many experts found that focusing on one niche, let's say real estate or nonprofit organizations, is the way to grow to scale their business. So I understand that you also support this um, this approach, but I know that you kind of expanded uh, more than just um, uh, just personal trainers, you have other clients and niches nowadays? Yeah, absolutely. I think the niching is 
makes your marketing life way easier. Because let's say that you work with a personal trainer. I'll use that as an example. And you get them a very, very good result. And you've got a case study written out, a testimonial written out. It means you can take that result to other personal trainers and say, look, I've been able to do this for this client. This is the system I use. We'll be able to do it with you as well. Whereas if you get a result for, like, say, a personal trainer and you try to take that to a recruitment agency, it means nothing to them. And so it just... It, just makes it far easier for you. One of the questions we always get asked as an agency is, have you ever worked with this type of business before? Or have you ever worked with my type of business before? And I know deep down, it's actually pretty irrelevant because the type of campaign that we're going to be running is very similar. But for the business, they see it as being really important. So yeah, in terms of niching down, I would say it makes your life much easier and it means that you can resonate with uh, your niche way better than just kind of generally going broad to market. But at the same time, I do have my funnel academy, which is more open. But at the same time, we still do limit it to local business or service providers. So there is a little bit of of niching there as well. Let's talk a bit about that specific niche of Facebook ads. So what are the differences uh, for? Let's take the same. A persona of uh, a small business, someone starting out, they have a small budget and they're thinking whether, you know, Google ads is the right way, maybe Tabula, maybe Facebook. What are the pros and cons here? Yeah, great question. I think when it comes to Facebook ads versus the likes of Google ads, it comes, you have to think about the type of business you're in and the type of intent that people typically have before they buy. So if it's a Google ad, like for example, if you're a 24 hour plumber, let's say, you don't want to run Facebook ads to say, I'm a 24 hour plumber with the idea that somebody, when their tap bursts, they might remember that ad that they saw because you only call a plumber when like, your pipe bursts, right? And what you do is you go to Google quickly and type in 24 hour emergency plumber. So if you're a 24 hour emergency plumber, Google ads is probably going to be best for you. However, Facebook ads is the biggest opportunity in my opinion for small businesses right now so i'll talk about why is first of all the ability to pinpoint any message that you want to a specific demographic of people is more powerful than any other platform so regardless of what you're trying to advertise get you out there we know that we can get that to a very specific group of people and then from, so for a small business point of view, that's relevant because if you're maybe creating content, video or blogs, you want that to be seen. So we can promote that out to people for, for very little money and get that content seen. If you're a business where you are like a local business, we can target a demographic around your brick and mortar business and ensure that everybody in that area can be seen. And, going, and then combining those two things, let's say that you are a bar or a cafe, you can target university students in your local area and say, hey, look, uh, Edinburgh University student, do you want to get a free coffee? Click on this link, use this coupon, and you'll get a free coffee. That student then comes in, maybe buys a brownie with their coffee, and immediately you then got a new customer. So it's, I think you need to look at how do people buy from me already, and then what avenue is then best. If you're the plumber, it's going to be Google. If you're a local business, then Facebook's probably going to work as well for you. A lot of our uh, audience are people that actually run ads for other businesses. 
So do you have a kind of a go-to process that uh, you adhere to in terms of the kind of questions you need to ask and the, the kind of uh, campaign you need to set up at the start? Yeah. So we are, before we start working with a client, we always, 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 there's, there tends to be a lot more education that we need to do before any money is spent. So sometimes they'll understand these things, but sometimes they won't. And if they don't understand these things, we have to coach them to a point that they do understand them. So like, what is your cost per lead? What is your target cost per lead? How much are we willing to spend to acquire a lead? What's your target cost per acquisition? How much are we willing to spend to acquire a customer into the business? What's the lifetime value of a customer for your business? All these numbers that if we don't understand them, we don't understand how successful our campaign has been. Because we, we could run ads for a client and we get uh, four times return on ad spend, for example. We might go, that's great. But if that isn't profitable for the client, based on their cost per sales and things, then that's not great. So we need to understand first and foremost, all these very specific numbers so that we can then say, right, our campaign is actually profitable. Because if you're running ads for uh, businesses, then those clients are paying you to essentially deliver a profit and you need to deliver a profit on top of your management fee. Yeah. If you're not clear on what profit is for that client, you might be running ads for them for a couple of months thinking all's going well. They turn around and say, hey, look, this isn't working for us. And you've just gone and lost the client. So be super, super specific with lifetime value, cost per acquisition, cost per lead. What is their budget? What are the KPIs, the key performance indicators that they want for in order for that campaign to be successful? Because you're managing their money, plus you have your own fees, the client might seem it might seem to the client that you're actually not uh, bringing results and you might not actually bring results, but how can that translate in terms of uh, the sales process? I mean, before we close the deal, before we send the proposal, how can we make sure we, we're talking about the right figures? Yeah, so I think what, again, it comes to an educational aspect, which is more, more often than not, businesses will come to me and will want to run ads because normally because they've been told they need to run ads by somebody else and they don't fully understand what that looks like and how it needs to look so if a business wants to just run ads then what i what we need to do as agencies consultants is educate that client on where we need to be as a business before those advertise before those ads work and so this, my sales process is mostly made up of educating the client and getting the client to a point where I can confidently say, when we spend money on this thing, it's going to work. So that doesn't actually just include the ads. That includes things like the, the funnel that we send them to. What is the offer that we're going to use? What is the thing that we're trying to sell at the end of all of this? And how can we use ads to drive more people to that offer? And then what numbers can we monitor there to then get people onto the sales page? And how can we monitor how the sales page performs to see whether we're actually getting results? Because if your ads aren't working, I, I would say 80% of the time, if your adverts aren't working, your ad campaigns on Facebook aren't working, it's not a result of the ads. It's a result of the overall funnel not performing. And so 
when you're dealing with clients and talking about these numbers and the sales process, it's vitally important to have them understand the importance of that funnel. Because otherwise, if your ads aren't working, let, let's say the client or a, a different agency runs the funnel. If your ads aren't working, they're going to blame you. Whereas it might be the funnel that's not working, not the ads. And so they, you and the client, everybody needs to be clear that this is part of a larger process, a larger sales uh, system that every single cog needs to be working. So you may need sometimes to actually advise your clients to um, improve their website, their landing pages and so yeah. on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the problems uh, in Facebook is that, uh, and in any ad platform is that you have to constantly, you know, renew the ads and that's something that's a commitment. And that's also, it's a challenge in terms of the client, but it's also has potential to, to bring the designer, uh, you know, uh, uh, work. So how does it look like in terms of the, the early setup, how many landing pages do you usually need? And in terms of the maintenance part? Yeah, that's a really good question. So typically when we launch a campaign, we will direct traffic to one single offer. Now, depending on the client's capacity, that offer will, we might split that offer into maybe two or three different landing pages based on normally, to be honest, just their capacity. Like, are they, do they have enough budget or are they willing to create separate pages for this? So one single offer, perhaps two or three landing pages. And then when, from a campaign perspective in Facebook, again, it'll depend on the budget slightly, but we want to start with at least four or five different audience tests. So one campaign conversions objective, sending people to these landing pages the, in the ad set level, we want to be testing like four or five different audiences. So we might want to try like a lookalike of uh, previous customers, a lookalike of website traffic. We might want to uh, retarget their email list, retarget their website traffic. And then within each of these different audiences, we'll have, we'll at least start with four or five different ads. Our, our, our process when it comes to this is we will run four or five different ads and there'll be four or five different images or videos, different creative, but the same text. And, and the reason for that is we want to run those ads and get a very clear indication on what image or creative is performing best. Because then after a week or a few days, we can go in, we can turn off the images that aren't performing. We can take the images that are performing, duplicate them, and then we can try different text, different copy with those images. And it means everything you do in Facebook is just a test. We never want to assume that this message or this ad will perform best. Like assuming that, oh, because we have this branded video, that'll perform best. Never want to assume anything. So we always want to test something. So when we're creating our campaign, we set it up in a way where we can go in after a few days and go, okay, so this image is performing best to this audience. This image is performing best to that audience. This video isn't performing at all. So we'll, we'll turn that off. And let's take those images and let's try some different copy. Let's maybe change the headline. Let's maybe make the copy shorter or longer. So everything is just a testing process. And so if we're running those campaigns and we've got, let's say, five audiences, five ads within each audience. So we've got 25 ads running at one time, going to three different landing pages. You can see very quickly, you're going to get a lot of data there yeah. to say, okay, this landing page is performing best. This audience is performing best. This type of image is performing best. We'll take that. We'll turn everything else off. 
and then we'll make more tests within that. Mm-hmm. How long does it take until you actually get back to the client and say, okay, we have, uh, we have success here? How long does it take you to come with the first, the initial results? Yeah, I, I, I tend to get back to new clients after, well, for, first of all, when I work with a new client, typically uh, we'll sign people up to three months as an initial starter. And what I like to try and break those months into is month one, is we're trying to find what I call a consistent cost per acquisition. So we're trying to get our ads to perform consistently. Now, I don't care whether that is uh, profitable, breaking even, or making a little bit of a loss. Obviously, profit's better. But all we're trying to do there is find a consistent cost per acquisition, let's say $20. In month two, what we're then trying to do is reduce that, that consistent CPA down to a profitable level. So we're trying to then fully optimize that campaign to get it to a point where we're seeing a consistent cost per acquisition profitably. And then in month three, that's when we're trying to then scale that to spend more money to, to um, keep that profit and then obviously ongoing after that. So that's the kind of expectations that we tell a client is don't necessarily expect to see profit in month one. Month two is when we'll try and get there. Month three is when we'll, we'll scale. But typically... I will probably get back to a client after a week and say, right, our campaigns have gone live. I'll normally leave them for a week. Get back to the client after a week and say, this is the initial findings that we're seeing. Now, for those of the people that are listening that, are, that run ads for clients, the most important thing you can do at this point is just be 100% honest with the client and say, hey, look, we're not seeing results right now, but this is why I think this is the case. And this is what I'm going to do as a result of this to make sure that we're testing this fully. And when you, I feel like when you set those expectations and you communicate effectively with the client and tell them, look, things aren't working the way we want them to work right now. But these are what, this is what we're doing. Client is always understanding in that perspective. And the expectations of what in case, in the case of us, where I say this month, one month, two month, three, then the client isn't necessarily expecting results in month one. So when you do get results in month one, the client is much happier. Uh, and so I think it's just important to communicate effectively, uh, set expectations, and then obviously do everything that you can to see little wins within your campaigns. And then every time you get a win, whether it's a profitable ad or you've generated more leads this in the last couple of days, whatever it may be, always, always, always communicate those wins to the client because then they're, they're seeing what you're doing as a, as a um, positive experience. And how do, you, uh, how do you say, how do you break the, the, you know, the bad news to clients? How do you kind of get them to maybe try a different direction or maybe uh, keep them on your side? Yeah, I think it comes down to education, which is a lot of agencies will cover their clients' eyes They'll run the ads within their own ad account so the clients can't go in and look. And then they'll try and hide everything from the client. I like to take the opposite approach, which is let the client have access to everything. Obviously, make it clear in the contract that the client can't just go and touch things. But it's, it comes down to education and, and letting them know early on and setting the expectations that this thing might not work straight away. That we can't just turn on our ads and see huge amounts of profit straight away. And so when you do that, if you set those expectations early on, when you then come back to them and have these kind of more regular conversations, either just 
I mean, I typically just drop them an email and we'll literally just say to them, hey, John, uh, we've been running the ads now for a week. What we're seeing here is we're not getting any of the conversions that we're looking for, unfortunately. However, what we are seeing is we're getting a large number of clicks going through to the landing page. Our click-through rate is sitting at a point where I want it to be. The clicks are sitting where I want where I want them to be. When And obviously, if you've got all the tracking in place, then we can look at things like... So I've had a look at Google Analytics, and I find that when somebody lands on our landing page, they're only spending 10 seconds there before clicking off to another link. So here's what I think we should do. And then you give them a recommendation on the next step. So I, I like to break it down into MAA, Metrics Analysis Action, which is what metric are we covering? Are we looking at here? What's the analysis around that? So for example, we're getting zero conversions. Here's why I think we're getting zero conversions. And here's the action we're going to take to try and improve that zero uh, conversions. That's great. So we talked in this podcast a lot about funnels. And I wanted kind of to to get your opinion because you recently also moved from, a, let's say, a different uh, platform to WordPress and MemberPress. So I'm kind of eager to to hear what are the what are the advantages, and also in general maybe your rules of thumb in terms of uh, funnels. Yeah, great question. So I moved my membership to WordPress and MemberPress because. The platform that I was using before was just an absolute nightmare from an admin perspective and managing the members within the academy, security problems around it. It was just an absolute mess. Um, and I moved over to MemberPress to have more control over uh, my members. Because one thing that I never actually fully grasped before I launched a membership site was just how much member admin you need to do people's cards failing, people's cards expiring, people leaving, people joining, people pausing, people forgetting their passwords, all these different things. I didn't grasp how much you'd have to do of that. And um, if you're having so much admin like that, you're, you need a platform that can make your life easier or make your team's life easy. From a, from a funnel perspective, so I still mostly... One one of the things that we're moving from is is I used ClickFunnels before, but we're now moving to WordPress for building all the funnels as well. Because I, I used ClickFunnels previously because for me it was quick and easy to build something, but there are so many problems with ClickFunnels that we're now moving to a point where because I've got a team, just get them to create essentially paste the funnels that I had in ClickFunnels into WordPress, and it gives me way more confidence in being able to send traffic there knowing that it's going to work. One of my concerns and one of the reasons that I used ClickFunnels before or any landing page builder was the inability for me to be able to edit things quickly. So then my developers were like, well, have you heard of Elementor? And I was like, no, what is it? And uh, they were like, well, it's a way that you can easily build WordPress pages. And I was like, okay, Let's do it. Let's count me in. And um, got to say, now we are moving all of the sales pages and things from uh, ClickFunnels into Elementor because obviously my team can help me with them. But I like having that ultimate control because if I'm running ads, I want to be able to very quickly change a headline, change text, add a video in here, take a video out of here without having to ask a developer to do it. And, and obviously Elementor allows me allows me to do that, which is which is great. 
you mention a team. How does your team look like? Yeah, so we've we've got uh, an ads account manager. We have uh, two video editors, two designers, my assistant slash operations manager. So we're we're a small team. We're all remote as well by design. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always always wanted to have a remote team because I've I've first of all less overheads, which is which is nice. But the my the thing that I teach in the Funnel Academy is all about how to have a business that allows you to ultimately have like lifestyle freedom. Uh, and by that, I mean, how can your business actually add to your life as opposed to hold you down? And one of the things for that is if you've got your team working in different places from your laptop, we've all got a Slack channel. I can work wherever I want, whenever I want, without having to worry about who's in the office or I've had offices in the past and I just prefer the model of, of remote working. It just, it just really works for us. You, you're based in Edinburgh. So does it affect you in any way that you're not based in London, let's say? I, I would say not really. Now, I think when you're in the likes of London, it makes it very easy to network with people quicker. However, most of our clients are over in the US and being over here has never, ever or at least never been communicated to me that that's been an issue. Obviously, we we jumped on this podcast today. It's quarter past seven in the morning for me, but it's fine. Like it, it makes no odds. So I think when it comes to the likes of living in London versus living in Edinburgh, is something else you have to look at is the like quality of life. I would not enjoy getting the tube every morning. Just that, just don't fancy that. I prefer being in Edinburgh. I'm looking out to the sea right now. Uh, I'm a country boy at heart, so I think it's mixing, combined, or looking at the quality of life first, the how fast do I need to work to get to where I want to be and trying to balance that. We recently published uh, uh, first in our case studies, and I think your case is also, that was an agency, and I think your, your uh, kind of setup of a business is also very interesting, so we might, we might uh, pursue that. I think it's like uh, the new way of how businesses grow today having someone start out as a as a solopreneur or freelancer and then grow a, a remote team and kind of manage this whole process in a smart way with funnels with advertising i'm curious uh, it, it seems you mentioned before the the maa uh, rule and can, tell us like what are your top three you know how do you say it I, I don't know if it's books or mentors or kind of the key f uh, frameworks that you follow. Yeah, great question. So first of all, I can give him my favorite book, which is How to Win Friends and Influence People. And that's my favorite book because it was written so long ago that things like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all these technologies didn't exist. And so the book is written on how do human beings communicate with other human beings, like the very basics. And my philosophy when it comes to funnels, marketing online is that those things haven't changed. The technologies change, but how human beings build relationships and communicate doesn't, hasn't changed. And so that book I feel is a very good book for just life in general, but also from a marketing perspective. Uh, in terms of other frameworks that we use, um, I'm a massive, massive fan of uh, content marketing and 
the book written by my good friend Marcus Sheridan called The Ask You Answer, which is all around um, how do we go to market? And one of the stats that that book is based loosely around is 70% of the buying decision is made before somebody ever contacts a business. So somebody, 70% of the buying decision will be made online for Elementor before they ever contact support, before they ever phone, for example. And so if we understand that metric, we understand that we then have to be the person that is educating that person the best in our industry so that they can have all the information they need to see that we are the best decision when they come to make a buying decision. And the best way that you can do that is, well, they ask you answer. What questions do they ask? What questions do they have? What problems do they have? And simply answer those and solve those on your website. And thirdly, I think um, this is one that's outside of funnels, but I think it's still important as well, is um, one thing that I've been experimenting a lot with recently is stoicism. And I've been doing the the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Is it Seneca or Seneca? I think. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the one of the one of the uh, Stoics. And the Daily Daily Stoic is essentially a little paragraph and a question every single day that you have to answer. And it's little things like, um, "What are you going to do today? Uh, how how are you going to make someone else smile today?" For example, I'm just making that up. And you have to read a paragraph and then answer it. And that's been really really good for general business performance because obviously as a business owner things get stressful things are tough so having something that's kind of grounded me um has been really beneficial that's cool gavin how can people reach you and uh, and follow you yeah the, well my i am mr gavin bell everywhere so mrgavinbell.com is my main site um and i'm probably most active over on instagram at Mr. Gavin Bell, but whatever your platform is, favorite platform at Mr. Gavin Bell, you'll find me. So thank you very much for your time uh, and nice for your insights on uh, Facebook ads for our listeners. That's, uh, that was quite a fundamental uh, things to know before the hiring um, consultant or before they actually going on their own and do that. So thank you again for this early morning uh, conversation. Yeah. And you have uh, <laughs> you have a, a growing uh, persona online on video and uh, I'm eager to see where where it uh, unfolds and I'm sure you're, you're going to make it big. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thanks so much for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure speaking to you both. Have a great day. Thanks, Gavin. <laughs>